Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance Podcast. I'm Dave Mills, call sign Goose. I'm Dusty Parker, call sign Shadow. And with us here today, we have got... Hey, I'm Mark Early. Thanks Mark for having Early. me. Mark Early. Thanks, man. Glad you're here. Thank you. Um, so we're just going to dive right in, and I'm going to ask ignorant questions right off the bat, and then we'll we'll get to know you. Sometimes those are the best questions. <laughs> yeah. So, so Mark... You've got your name all over town. It's actually it's right, embarrassing. It's right in front of the building that we're in right now. Yeah. In like it's like a twenty foot sign. You can you sign it first. So you're on your way up. So you're running. Tell us a little bit about what you're running for here in Virginia. Tell us a little bit of the lay of the land. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me. I really do appreciate it. And uh I love what y'all are doing. So so thank you. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I'm Mark Early. I'm running for the House of Delegates here in Virginia, the seventy third district. It's basically all of Western Chesterfield. If you follow this stuff closely, they did a whole bunch of redistricting recently. So this is a sort of a new open seat. Um, but I'm a native Virginian, lived here my whole life. I've been uh, born down in Chesapeake, but been up here in Chesterfield since I was 12. So I went to middle school right across the street from where we are right now. Oh, school. wow. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Started high school at Midlow High. Um, but yeah, running for the House of Delegates. And uh, we're having a great time. We're knocking a whole lot of doors and enjoying ourselves. Cool. Now, I know our listeners are curious because um, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, we had another guy on here running. We had Ryan Harder. Um, so you are running against him, right? Yeah, we're friendly competitors in the yep. same race. So we got a Republican primary coming up here in just a couple of weeks, actually, June the 20th. Early voting has already started, believe it or not. So we're, uh, we're in the thick of it. Okay. So you guys are same district. That's right. what that means. Yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. All right. My questions are going to get dumber. <laughs> so can you explain when we talk about delegates? Yeah. Um, and I understand the national level, but not really the state level. So is this like the state equivalent of Congress? Bingo. <clears throat> That's okay. the easiest way to think of it. Okay. The House of Delegates and the state Senate are the lawmaking body for Virginia, right? The legislative branch. Gotcha. So you got your executive and the governor and all his uh, ca you know, cabinet appointees and agencies Obviously, you got the courts, and then you got the legislative branch. So in Virginia, 100 delegates, 40 senators, they make the laws. They repeal the laws. They are the lawmaking body. Cool. Obviously, obviously, distinct from your your hyper-local board of supervisors, you know, uh, school board, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So you've got state senators. Right. And then, and they're called state senators. Yep. And then your state congressmen aren't called that. They would be called delegates. Right. Instead of being that, like right. in the House of Representatives, it's the House of Delegates. Perfect. Okay. Exactly. Awesome. Cleared that up. Thank you. <laughs> I knew all of that, of yeah. course. Yeah. Oh, you me, me too. I just was yeah, asking was for the for listener. listener. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. So um have you held any political office previously? No, I have not. Okay. God's green earth would you want to do it <laughs> that's a great question yeah it really is a great question yeah so I mean a little bit about my background I've sort of my family has been involved before so I've kind of had a window into it um, but you know at the end of the day there's a you know the million issues going on as I know is no surprise to you all um, but I think I think we're missing a couple things right now I think uh, when you look across not just the country but across Virginia I think we um, are struggling to find our foundation and I also think we're struggling to find a vision. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you all saw this article a couple of weeks ago, it came out, and I think maybe it was a month or two ago, came out in the Wall Street Journal. And, and I bring it up just because it encapsulates some of the reasons I'm running. So they did this long-term study. It was about over 25 years uh, reporting on the values that Americans said were important to them mm. and the values of faith, uh, the value of family and having kids, the value of whether you, whether or not you believe hard work is important, whether or not you believe being involved in your community is important. Um, all of those things, they didn't like dip over the last 24 years or 25 years. They dropped like a rock. They nosed that. They nosed dive yeah. off a cliff. 
absolutely off a cliff. Yeah. And um, I think that is, um, to be honest with you, I think it's a, I think it means we're in cultural free fall. I think we're in cultural crisis. And it's one of the reasons actually, I love what you all are doing because, you know, culture is made up of big things and small things. And at, at its core, it's made up of a lot of small platoons, right? It's made up of families. It's made up of churches, community groups, you know, small groups. And um, that's one of the reasons I love what y'all are doing. Yeah. But I mean, we have got to, um, if we're actually going to make it as a commonwealth, if we're going to make it as a country, we have got to reestablish those core values. It's just, there, there is no other foundation, right? Yeah. Um, and we got to bring people a vision. I mean, you know, scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish, right? And that's not, you know, in my view, that's not just sort of a nice metaphor. I mean, when you look out and you see, um, it's not just younger folks, but you see a real lack of vision from people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, think about the urban violence we see. I mean, when there is no vision, people literally perish on the streets in a bunch of senseless street violence. When there is no vision for uh, somebody's future, we see this opioid epidemic and people dying of drug overdoses, right? When there is no vision for family and kids, you see people perish in abortion clinics. I mean, if if people can't have a vision, if people can't have a vision, literally people perish. Um, and we have got to undergird our, you know, get back to our foundation. And, Couldn't agree yeah. more. And, yeah. you know, I know I'm telling y'all stuff you already know, but. It was so good. Yeah, so, so, I mean, some of the uh, lines and words, obviously, that sort of dictate who we are, were penned way back in 1776 in the Declaration where it said, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But, you know, we, we sort of write that off as like a, mm-hmm. just an old thing we hear. But today, I mean, we're still in love with some of that, but not all of that. Yeah. And that's a problem. We love the idea of equality. Yeah. As we should. That's a great thing. And we love yeah. the idea of rights. But we, we're, we're missing the other part of that. Where creator. Like created <laughs> yeah. by a creator. Yeah. And these rights were given by creator. And the problem is... When you seek after equality and you seek after rights without the grounding, that's a disaster. It's a disaster because you end up denying rights that are real, like Mm -hmm. the right to life. You end up giving rights that aren't real and it becomes completely clouded and completely misguided. And that's what I mean by a foundation. If we don't have that foundation, we're in deep, deep trouble. So is that what you say to make it as a commonwealth, what is making it look like? Well, this, so obviously I'm running for the house and part of it is a political problem, but it is absolutely not just a political problem. I mean, we have, we have a problem that extends far beyond that. I think, uh, you know, law and politics is one significant pillar of culture, but it's just one pillar. It's one pillar of many, right? So this is, you know, to me, if we want to get our commonwealth and if we want to get our country and our culture to a place we want it. Um, I hate to tell you this. I don't think it's a short-term project. I think it's a long-term project. Uh, and I think it, there's a, it has to happen on a lot of fronts. So politics is, I, I think we, we get into trouble if we think politics is the only front, because it's certainly not, might not even be the most important, but we also get into, I think we also get in trouble when we think it's not an important part as well. And we can either just ignore it, um, and let it go. But uh, the frame I have about politics is I think everything, including political ventures should be seen through the lens of love of neighbor. Right. So when we think about policy, when we think about ideas, I think we should be viewing that through what is loving to our neighbor. Right now, that's not going to solve every problem we have because you and I may disagree on issue X about what is loving to our neighbor. But I do think if we have the proper frame, it clears up a lot and it gives us, it gives us at least part of that vision. Yeah. You know, talk about it has to be grounded. I think it's how you said it, right? We've got to have something that takes it from the subjective, right? right. And, and and it makes it, makes it objective, makes it standard, mm-hmm. right? And, and the, the country was founded on that being the Bible, right? Being Judeo-Christian values, beliefs, morals, um, and now like we're, it just feels like we're adrift. Right. And like you said, like 
taking away cer- certain rights while you know giving things that aren't rights at all right i think that's how you, yeah, how you phrase exactly that right. and and uh that's and that's you're getting to a point where they're being really obvious right I mean, oh, at least they're obvious to oh, me i mean when you yeah. when you deny uh you know the right to life to a child but then say oh this child has a right to get on puberty blockers uh we're in a completely confused state oh yeah completely without confused. a doubt yeah we've lost our we've lost all moorings right we're just kind yeah. of adrift right now and whoever's got the the loudest voice seems to you know carry the day right no, nothing's being grounded in in any objective truth so yeah and i and i do think you know we have a clash of i mean sometimes we have no vision uh sometimes we have a clash of vision visions and i think um you know not to be too overtly political but I think in large part, sort of the left, if you're okay with that general grouping, um, as incoherent as it is to me, I do think there is actually a vision there. Um, I think it's, but I think it's a wrong vision. I think it's a vision of equality of outcomes as opposed to equality of opportunity. Yeah. I think it's a vision where social mores um, shift by the hour. (laughs) And I'm only a little bit yeah. <laughs> sarcastic. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem. I mean, it's the it's the ground moving under your feet, yeah. right? And I don't claim to know whether that's intentional or not, but it's a it's a vision where politically correct speech will always trump free speech. It's a vision uh, where, and this is really getting to the core of it. It's a vision where ultimate reality and authority lies not in scripture, lies not in the collective wisdom of ages, but lies in between the two ears of every individual. Yeah. And that is ultimately destabilizing. Yeah. That's, you cannot have a shared culture if everybody can have their own um, reality. And one of the, um, I don't have it right in front of me, but there's a line probably (laughs) among many, one of the worst lines ever written in a Supreme court decision uh, was by Anthony Kennedy. I think it was the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision. And I apologize, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like every person has the right to sort of define reality for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, it's one of the worst things ever put in Supreme Court opinion. Yeah. Uh, not only legally, but just philosophically. Yeah. So we're talking about grounding, grounding ourselves and our society in an objective truth. Um, share with us a little bit about your personal beliefs um, you know, obviously I'm assuming you're a Christian, but I don't want to take that for granted. Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, in faith and where that's coming from. And then kind of second part is how does that influence your, your political beliefs and values? Yeah, sure. So I, I was very, um, uh, blessed, I would say to sort of grow up in a, in a household of faith. I have a, um, a pretty, uh, non-dramatic story of coming to faith where I was sort of led to faith at a young age by my dad um, and sort of grew up in that world. <clears throat> I think like everybody, there comes a point where that sort of either becomes your own or it doesn't. I think for me, I have a fairly traditional story of um, going off to college um, and, you know, being confronted with everything you get confronted with when you go off to college. You get confronted with yeah. different lifestyles. You get confronted with different ideas different opinions than you may be used to. And um, again, back to why I appreciate a lot of the things I see y'all doing is I have no idea where I would be if it wasn't for sort of a core group of guys and some, you know, campus fellowships I was a part of. I mean, in, in solitude or in alienation, I have no idea where I would have ended up. You know, I was really lucky to uh, room my freshman year with one of my best friends. And I said, I I told you all a minute ago, I, went to middle school right across the street. I also grew up in a church that's about a baseball throws that way. And I'm really lucky that even to this day, sort of my core group of friends are from that youth group. And that's awesome. Yeah. And one of the, uh, everybody's sort of dispersed, but everybody's been back for a lot of years. So, um, but one of those guys, uh, I lived with him, not only my freshman year, but we actually lived together for the entire uh, college duration. Um, but the point is those were sort of the things that grounded me. Mm-hmm. And I also, it's interesting looking back on it. Cause I was, when I was in college, I was, um, it was sort of at the time of when the new atheists were becoming really prevalent and like yeah. all their books were becoming really prevalent. And I felt like, I don't know whether I want to engage with those ideas. And I was mm-hmm. sort of uh, scared about it. Um, but I sort of decided to engage with them in terms of, in terms of reading a lot of books and yeah. listening to a lot of things. And, um, 
they probably didn't intend it to do this, but it had the opposite effect of where it really, I'm, I'm the exact same as you here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was, it's funny to call it this. Um, but it's really, it was really a blessing because yeah. I, I dove into it and not only cause I thought a lot of their arguments were really bad, but yep. it also just, it, it led me on sort of my own journey of seriously thinking about things, seriously talking with other people about those things. Um, and it had the, it had the impact of strengthening my faith, which was, I mean, I'm really grateful for, but you know, one of the, um, I think it's C.S. Lewis who said, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not just because I see it, but by, I think it's, but, but by it, I see everything else. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah that's as, Lewis. Yeah. So that I, I would say since then, that has sort of characterized my face. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think, um, I mean, not only scripture, but, but eventually the person of Jesus is what, um, is the great sense maker of things mm -hmm. to me. Right. And again, in terms of how I, you know, how that influences what I think about, you know, politics and policy, I would say it's, um, I mean, there's, there's nothing in the world. I mean, if God is real, there's nothing in the world that he's not in charge of. Right. Yeah. So I think, again, that comes back to what I said a few minutes ago about, I view political issues and positions is primarily as number one, you got to have a grounding in reality. Um, and you have to be seeking to love your neighbor through those things. Yeah. Right? So I think that's sort of the window. That's sort of the filter through which I think about everything. Yeah, man, I can, I can really relate when I started reading Dawkins, right. Hitchens, it strengthened my faith, Ehrman, um, because you realize like, this is the best they have. Right. This is the A, A game best material of the smartest atheists alive. And you, you read their arguments and you're like, is this serious? Like right. this isn't even logic. Right. And, it, and to me, I was just like, holy cow. Like, and then you read Lewis, you're like, wow, Christianity is so much more robust. Right. And, and it's much more intellectual in my opinion. Right. Like they, right. the new atheists who aren't new anymore, uh, <laughs> they, they make their cases largely out of rhetoric. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, very yeah. persuasive, great speakers. It helps if yeah. you have a British accent. Always. Um, the best but, preachers also yeah, have British or Welsh, Welsh accents. Yeah. Too. <laughs> and then Australian. And then, yeah. You know, yeah. It's funny. Like I, I heard this one time, I think Frank Turek said this and I was like, yeah, I can totally see that being true. He said that most people that read, read the transcripts of his debate with Hitchens thought that he won. But people that listened to it thought that Hitchens yeah. won, right? Because yeah, he's, right. he's and the point Turk was making is Hitchens sounds so good. Yeah. If you're listening to him, you'll think he's winning the debate. But then if you read what he's saying, you're like, yeah. this guy's losing. Yeah. And that's funny. And it says something to also just how how we humans are persuaded. Absolutely. You know, by the people we're listening to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I'm the kind of person where you know, I would like to believe, and I'm not saying, I, I don't think I'm so smart or anything, but I would like to believe that everybody is just sort of a, you know, a brain on a stick that walks around and make, and makes their decisions, you know, with their head and thinks of everything, but I'm not that way. Nobody's that way. Right. Nope. That's just not, I mean, we have a brain, we also have a heart and, and it's, it's a big sort of mix up, but that's a great example you just brought up because it's not how humans make decisions. Right. We make decisions based on what we want. Sure. And then we back in a reason. Yeah, we're with our mind we're, to make it sound like we're logical. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> self-justification machines. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious, do you have any um specific uh policies, let's say, or or whatever, uh that you're you're hoping to be able to propose um if elected uh that would align with your Christian principles? Are there anything specific you're looking to do after election? Yeah, I, I would answer that in a couple ways. Number one, I think we need to recenter uh, policy around um, families, right? I think we need to sort of re put families and children at the forefront of our policies. And that goes back to the idea about having a vision. Um, families are sort of the fundamental unit of society. Without strong marriages, uh, we're not going to make it. Without strong families, we're not going to make it. Without strong fathers, we're not going to make it. Um, and they sort of get, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're not going to make it without strong mothers either. It's just that women are generally better than us at uh, <laughs> at that whole game. So, yeah. in terms of who needs to step their game up, it's uh, it's more us than them. Um, but so, I, I want to recenter policy on those things. I think 
Um, we have seen in the last, I mean, it's been a while, but I think especially in the last few years, we've sort of seen this uprising from a lot of parents, whether it's about issues that have gone on at, in the local schools or school board, or it, but it's not just that, it's legislatures. Um, and I think um, those parents who have sort of stood up and stood in the gap, I think they're heroes for doing so. And um, I think that's great. However, I don't think they should have to do that. Right. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, I appreciate yeah. that they did that and I think they needed to do that. But in reality, I don't think they have to do that. I mean, parents have um, they got lives to to lead. They got it's jobs. like all of a sudden parents, we all woke up and yeah. realized we were behind the eight ball. Big time. And, you know, it's like I don't know where we all were for the past couple of decades. Right. While everything was was rapidly declining, but it does feel like, and, and especially here in Virginia, I mean, we've been yeah. all over the national news with this stuff. Yeah, it seems like like you're saying, yeah, yep, we just woke up, we're way behind, and now it's like time for like a full court press. It is, which we sh- you're right, we shouldn't have gotten ourselves <clears throat> into this position in the first place, but here we are. Yeah, because normal parents, which I put myself in that category, they have jobs to work, they got kids to raise, they got lives to lead, you know, mouths to feed. Uh, so they shouldn't have to do this. Again, I'm glad they did, and I admire them for it. But we wouldn't have to. They, they wouldn't have to do that if we had leaders that were willing to stand in the gap for parents and for families. Right? Uh, it is all too common to have leaders who basically are willing to either. Well, there's two things. You either have a leader who sort of buys into on this on this topic. You either have a leader who buys into a lot of the radical ideology and is all too happy to push it. Or you have a leader who maybe they don't buy into it, maybe they don't believe it, um, but they really don't stand up and stop it. And they're sort of more than happy, or even if they're not happy about it, they let sort of parents and kids take the oncoming arrows, you know, instead of a leader who says, it's not gonna be easy, but I'm gonna stand in that gap. I'll take the arrows in my back so the parents and kids don't have to, right? Because whether you have a leader who buys into all the radical stuff or a leader who just lets it go by, guess what? You get the same outcome. I hate to say it, but with either of those, with either of that style, you get the same outcome. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think we do need to recenter our policy. Um, and this goes in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways, but I want to recenter families and kids at the center of policy. Um, I think we need to, um, at a general level, we need to, uh, move the ball forward on protecting human life. I mean, I think that's a that's an organizing principle of politics. That life is a uh, it's a fundamental right. I mean, it's the uh, prerequisite right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't have you don't have liberty. You don't have a right to pursue happiness unless you have life first. Yeah. First, and I know that's a hard issue for a lot of people. Um, but you know, I've um, so my wife and I are foster parents. We had a bunch of foster kids. And um, my three-year-old is adopted through foster care. All of, all of those kids that we've had, whether it's for a month or six months or longer or whatever, every single one of them has come from tough circumstances, right? Yep. Tough beginnings. Yep. Um, and I know that this is a hard issue for people, but what I can tell you, what I know for sure is that uh, despite coming from hard beginnings, the, the world is a better place for each of those kids being here. Yeah. Right? Not only for their own sake, but the world's better for them being here. Yeah. Um, so that's a big issue, obviously. Um, I think education generally, um, you know, I think we need to unlock and unleash kids' potentials through uh, different versions of school choice. I think um, not only through the years of COVID did we see so many problems, um, but, you know, we have so many kids who were sort of trapped in tough neighborhoods, tough localities. And the way we have our system set up, they're essentially trapped in their zip code with really no good, they really have no good options, right? So I would love to see more school choice options. Um, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, at least half of our, or at least in Virginia, at least half of the players, although right now it's more than half, they don't want that. You have to give these kids an opportunity. You have to give these kids a chance. What do you mean by by more school choices? Like what? Yeah. So I think we should have, so Winston Sears has been leading the charge on what she calls education savings accounts. That's only one model. There's a lot of ways to do it, but basically giving people more options, right? So if you got a kid in Richmond city or wherever, um, who, uh, is just not working for them, the school's not working for whatever reason. And, but you know, their parents don't have the means to send them to, you know, this private school over here, this Christian school, 
whatever else kind of option, you can get a portion of that uh, state money, taxpayer money that of course everybody's paying into right. and use it for your own purposes. That'd right. be fantastic. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Hey, uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're sure. talking here with Mark early, um, quick commercial break, and then we'll be back and we're going to discuss some of these other current topics going on. We're going to get into um, gender identity, LGBTQ stuff. Come back after this break. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com slash support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. All right, welcome back. We're here talking with Mark Early, who's running for delegate of Virginia. And Mark uh, wanted to ask you, uh, tell us a little bit about what's your view on same-sex marriage. Where are you at with that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's not a secret. I would I would tell anybody I hold to a sort of a traditional sexual ethic <clears throat> and believe that marriage has a definition, which is one man, one woman uh, covenant for life. So, you know, I understand that, you know, I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, where that's not a majority opinion these days. Mm-hmm. But it's what it's what I believe. And I, I think more, you know, more broadly, as we had mentioned earlier, I mean, strong marriages are um, absolutely critical to a flourishing society. I mean, if you want good outcomes for kids, strong, lasting marriages are critical. Um, so I want to do I want to do everything we can. Policy and culture wise to strengthen marriages. Yeah. Um, and that's. I think that's, you know, for the sake of kids, we got to do that. Yeah. Um, This was just, uh, just as you were answering that right there, it got me to thinking about the fact that only a few years ago, Obama, Biden, and Clinton all said the exact same thing. That's true. Right. Just a few years ago, there's there's all these sound bites, videos going all around of them saying marriages between a man and a woman. and now it's like, there's just no chance right. any of them would say that. Um, and like you were talking earlier, when we, I think maybe before we even started recording today about, uh, seems like culturally we've done this nosedive, right? Yeah. To where even, you know, people on the left a few years ago saying these things wouldn't say that now. Why do you think that is? What's been, what's been the cause of this rapid change in scripts, if you will? I think it goes back to the idea that <clears throat> our foundation uh, has been eroding, right? Our foundation's been eroding, and when you when that starts to slip away, everything ev- everything becomes permissible. Everything gets on the table, right? yeah. everything's up for debate. Um, which you know, you, you think about what we're talking about now. Nobody would have taken seriously, even a few years ago, the things we're talking about now. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, what is a woman? That kind of stuff. Exactly. What is a, I mean, you know, can a man get pregnant? Yeah. These kind of questions. Yeah. There have been nonsense. Yeah. 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 I mean, of course it's nonsense. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the, it was always stated that when folks like us said, you know, we're on a slippery slope, they said, hey, that's, you know, you know, the slippery slope's a logical fallacy, fallacy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just reality. And it's also, I mean, it's also, it's not just slippery. I mean, it's a uh, well-greased. A lot of things are logical fallacies technically that happen. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> right. They do happen. Yeah. And this is certainly one that I feel like we're, we're living in. I think we not only, um, I mean, we really need to think about our kids and how to um, protect our kids but but not just our kids. I mean, we need to think about the next generation in the future and what are we going to do to create um, a place where they can thrive, where they can flourish. 
we're in a very dark place, unfortunately. If you look at these recent studies that have come out that talk about teen and uh, teen and uh, depression in teens and young folks, yeah, um, I mean, this is a five alarm fire. It's a five alarm fire when something like half of young girls say they experience chronic depression, uh, or I mean, I don't even I don't have it in front of me, but huge percentages say they've contemplated self harm or suicide. Yeah, this is I mean, this is a five alarm fire. And it's not, there's not one thing to point the blame at. I mean, I think you combine an eroding foundation with the accelerant of social media, and then you add in uh, school closures and lockdowns and everything else. Um, And then you add in this radical ideology that's being fed to everybody, that's dividing everybody up, that's giving kids, uh, it's asking them to ask questions that they should never have to ask and that aren't even real questions, right? Whether you're a boy or a girl, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's a given. It's actually a blessing that you don't have to ask that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it. I've never, I've never heard it put that way. We were talking earlier about the problem about when ultimate authority is just in everybody's brain. Right. If that's true, everybody has these limit, literally limitless choices. Mm -hmm. That's actually bad. Um, you had a sign up in here. Well, okay. You had a sign that says discipline equals freedom. I like that. But it also made, it also made me think of something that, you know, true freedom is not limitless choices. Right. That's not right. freedom. Right. 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 Real freedom is uh, liberty, is ordered liberty. Right. Yeah. Right. But limitless the freedom li- to do what's right. Yeah. Right. Not the exactly. freedom to do anything you want. Right. That's just license. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what right. I mean. Me and him come from a background where we, have to, we had to wear a uniform every day. Mm-hmm. So, Partly, yeah, it was restricting, but there's also a freedom in that because we don't have to decide what we're going to wear the next day. You know, right. yeah, I was thinking about I mean, that certain, too. And like, yeah. there's, you know, it's kind of famous. A lot of a lot of famous CEOs, right? Right. Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, they, they come up with your own uniform. Yeah, there's freedom yeah. in some things being known, right? And exactly. so we don't even have to think about those decisions. And like right. you said, it's a blessing that. We only we all only have a certain amount of bandwidth every day to make decisions with, right, right? Right, and you get decision fatigue, right, right. And so if we can, you know, take enough of our decisions, put them on rails, right, that gives us more bandwidth for the important stuff. And it's interesting, the, uh, you know, the perspective you're bringing to this conversation about, my goodness, we're eating up all of our bandwidth on what gender are we? That means we have yeah. no bandwidth left for the actual important bingo topics that we should be devoting our thoughts to we're, go, right. we we took ourselves intentionally voluntarily all the way back to square one my, man we should yeah. we should be 30 steps down the path and we're still but trying to figure one, out if we're boys or girls one reason you know you asked why do you think they changed their minds on you know marriage uh i think because men and women like that don't have strong personal convictions they just go with whatever the popular vote is or whatever the popular opinion is to get elected. Yeah. You know, so it's nice to have, I think anybody should want Republican or Democrat, someone who has strong conviction is just, isn't going to tell you what you want to hear, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. then change it next, right. next season. And then change it next right. season. If the majority yeah. is saying this, it's like, right. well, can you just, you know, they're just going to yeah. say whatever you want to hear to mm-hmm. get in whatever's popular on that yeah. recent poll that came yeah. out. Yeah. But it, what you all were talking about a minute ago is really, really important in terms of, um, you know, good habits are one of the most freeing things you can possibly have, right? right. Yeah. Uh, recognizing that we're limited beings um, is actually a great thing, right? Um, and it's it's good for us because it conforms us to reality. And anytime we're properly conformed to reality, that's actually a good thing mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. So... Um, wrapping it up here, I think this is one of my, one of my last questions for you, Mark, but, um, how do you reconcile your personal, uh, religious beliefs, your Christianity with your desire to be in the public sector, uh, representing diverse constituency, all that, um, kind of, I guess a thread coming in here would be, you know, we can talk a little bit about personal beliefs and political beliefs, but how, how do you reconcile that as a Christian man running for office? Um, how do you do that? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways. I think, first of all, you know, I do think you have to work for a vision 
<clears throat> that includes everybody and that's for everybody. Um, but I don't think that means you diverge from like we've been talking about uh, reality, truth, and uh, a real conception of the good, right? So there's, there's a couple ways to answer that. I think, first of all, as divided as we are right now, and it, it is very true that we're divided, I do think from a political and policy standpoint, there are still a lot of shared basic values that a lot of people can unify around, uh, sort of the, the broader concepts. I mean, I think folks can unify around the ideas that um, education should be high quality. Uh, we should reward excellence and not punish merit, right? Uh, we can we can rally around the idea that there's dignity in work, that streets should be safe, you know, that character matters more than color at the end of the day, um, that kids deserve protection. So just on a broad level, I think there's plenty um, that actually can unify people, even of, you know, maybe different political stripes. Um, but e even though some even some of those things have been called into question recently. Yeah. But I do think they they can unify us. Um, I also think that. Um, as we've touched on, I don't think we're in particularly normal political times. I kind of wish we were. I think uh, it would be healthier if we were. Um, but, you know, if you just think about, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get a little bit more pointed to your question in just a second. Yeah. But if you, if you think about, let's just talk about Virginia for a second. I know all of your listeners aren't in Virginia, but they'll, they'll be able to relate to this on a national level. So in the last general assembly session, some of the bills that were put up um, that, that folks on the left uh, killed, because they have a majority in the legislature right now, at least in the Senate. Um, you know, there was a bill that said schools have to tell students if they win some sort of merit award, right? Because there was that scandal up in Northern Virginia about mm. withholding that information. So they were trying to fix that problem, right? The Democrats said, no, we're not going to do that, right? Um, there was a bill about giving parents just oversight and discretion. Over so just for clarification, they wanted it to not be required to tell somebody that they've won a scholarship. Bingo. Yeah. So you could win a scholarship <laughs> or some sort college. of or some sort of merit award. Yeah. Based on your you're the valedictorian or whatever. You win a scholarship, your guidance counselor knows about it and they choose to not tell you you won that scholarship. That's what I mean like I'm asking. That's it. Yeah. And then they don't have to. Yeah, and it's I just I just heard about this this past week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because that, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about there's a clash of vision here. There's a yeah. there's a, there's either a vision of equality of opportunity or equality of, of outcomes, right? Yeah. The only reason you oppose something like that, I mean, you, and don't get me wrong, they're going to make a whole lot of excuses. They're going to say, "Oh, this is not necessary. This thing wasn't really. The scandal wasn't as bad as people say it was." There's technical details. Some of that may be true, but it doesn't it doesn't overcome the idea that um, the only reason you really oppose something like this is if deep down you sort of think we're going to make outcomes equal. Right? Yeah. And that's just a bad idea. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you can't force equal outcomes. What you right. can provide is equal opportunity. Yeah. And everybody knows, you know, nobody is pretending, or at least I don't think anybody of good faith is pretending that in this country and all over the world, obviously we have had dark periods. Obviously we've made mistakes. The answer to those mistakes. And, 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 you know, I'll even say that are there still sort of echoes of those things today? Sure. But the answer to those things are not trying to force equal outcomes. It's actually to make the playing field level, right? So it's a clash of visions. I mean, and then the, you know, these, there's these other bills that were, you know, uh, saying that schools or teachers, you know, if, some, if a kid comes to school and is um, evidencing some sort of uh, confusion about gender, that yeah. you just have to tell a parent, right? Just notify them. Mm -hmm. They voted that down. Oh, right? yeah. Voted it down. Heck, heck no. Uh, they're yeah. not going to let that one go. Yeah. So um, where where are you? I, I mean, I know where you are on this, but but tell us like where where do you fall politically on that topic? Right. Notifying parents, let's say. Yeah, of course. We need to do yeah. everything we can to empower parents. Right. Parents are, um, and this is p people sometimes interpret it, or the other side tries to twist it as you have a problem with teachers. I got no problem with <laughs> teachers at all. I've had a. I've had you know, family members and a lot of friends who are teachers. Teachers are great. Teachers are um, uh, irreplaceable. They're an incredibly important part of the community. I think the, par the, parents should be the biggest advocate of teachers. It, yeah. Teachers and parents and schools and parents. I mean, it should be. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, just, it's interesting you say that because some of these, you know, thoughts and uh, bills from the other side 
they actually drive a wedge. They, they try to sort of put a wall between Us parents and teachers. You. Yeah. Right. And that's a bad idea. Right. It's a bad idea for that relationship between a parent and teacher. It's a bad idea for the student, all sorts of things. But I mean, on that issue in particular, as we've already talked about, I mean, I would take some steps back and say, you know, what are we talking about in the first place with all this gender stuff? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying, and I would never would say, you know, be mean to anybody, be cruel to anybody. That's not the business I'm in. Right. right? But we are talking about uh, what's real and what is good for kids. Yeah. Right. I think anytime a good litmus test is if you're trying to keep a secret from parents, that's a red flag. You're on the wrong side. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a big, right? big, bright waving. Red I flag. wanted to, I wanted to come back to this and ask you, um, how many kids have you fostered or do you have, you mentioned that you fostered a lot. How many kids do you have? Yeah. So we have a seven year old uh, biological son. Abraham okay. is my oldest son. Uh, and then we have a three-year-old, uh, Jay, who um, he started out as a foster son, but he's adopted. So those are our two permanent kids. Um, we've had, um, including Jay, we've had six uh, foster kids the last couple of years. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's been a great experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, that whole world is a, um, you know, it's a it's a roller coaster kind of world. Yeah. Um, and you got to be prepared for um, the ups and downs of it. Yeah. Man, um, I'll tell you what, you, hearing you say that, that's so easy to say. And I've heard so many people say that. And I know if you're listening to this, you hear that. But like, man, there's a ton of emotion that goes into this game, right? Yeah. Behind what you're saying. When people say you got to be prepared for the ups and downs, I mean, like, it's gut-wrenching. Yeah. 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 Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it can be tough. It can be yeah. tough. And, you know, I'll be honest. We've had we've had a largely good and positive experience. And it's been a huge blessing no, to us. Good. I mean, And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, thanks for all you do for the kids. I mean, you – and that's fine, but – you you realize pretty early on they do a lot more for you than you know you're doing for them. That's cool. Um, but it's a it's it's a great experience. Yeah. Great. And I, I would just you know I don't know if anybody listening is involved in that or has ever thought about being involved. But I'd encourage folks you know if you have, not everybody is called to it, but if you mm -hmm. if you feel like you might be, um, you know talk to folks maybe get involved. I think uh, the key to doing that sustainably again I don't I don't mean to be sounding all a uh, kiss up here, but Again, sort of appreciating a lot of the things you all do. If you're going to do that kind of thing sustainably, you got to be in a community. You got to have folks yep. who are willing to help you come alongside you, um, and you have to um, you have to know some other people doing it. Because oh, that's that's a big part. You got to get in with the community that's doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you're not, if you're isolated, like like anything else in life, if you're isolated, uh, you're not going to know which way's up or which way's down. You're not going to know what's normal or uh, abnormal and it's, you're going to be totally disoriented and you're going to get totally discouraged. I was at alpha tribe this past week and a uh, guy there was sharing in prayer requests around the fire that him and his family are just beginning. They've made the decision to become foster parents and they're starting on yeah. that journey. So, um, you know, you mentioned that I wanted to kind of hone in on that, even though that wasn't the topic of the day, but shout out to uh, lefty, you <laughs> know, and um, starting on that journey, my family, we've adopted, two girls. Um, oh, yeah. so I'm very big on that, that process. And like you said, um, it ties into the, um, getting out of isolation, right? You want to do it connected to other like-minded, uh, you know, Christian families who are, who are going down that same journey. So mm -hmm. that's cool. I just wanted to go back and, and get your, get your take on, on your family yeah. and, and yeah. find that out about you. Yeah. So, I Go ahead. I was just going to go back to one thing you said earlier, or one question you asked about, you know, how to, how to do the political things with your own beliefs. Yeah. Just philosophically for a second. I think it's important to recognize that um, we have not just in America, but in a lot of the world, we have sort of adopted a myth of neutrality. We've adopted the idea and we kind of just pretend to ourselves that, Oh, there's some, uh, ideas, whether it's policy ideas or just whether it's ideas that, you know, are, are tied to religion X or religion B, um, or religion C. And then there's other ideas that are, they sort of come out of thin air and they're, they're neutral. They're, uh, yeah, they're not tied to anything. Yeah. The, the truth is, uh, and this is a hard philosophical pill for people to swallow, but everybody has a conception of the good. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as neutral. Everybody has it from somewhere. Everybody has, uh, at the end of the day, everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a foundation. Most people 
or, or I'll say many people may not be able to articulate what it is, but they have it. They yeah. have it, right? It's just like the idea that everybody at the end of the day worships something, right? Yeah. They wouldn't, they, they might not say it like that. They might not articulate it like that, yeah. but everybody worships something. Everybody has um, a conception, whether it's fleshed out or not of the good. And everybody's ideas, whether policy ideas or otherwise, come from somewhere. And, but we have, we've sort of adopted this, um, basically this false mentality that, oh, this idea, you know, I think it's explicitly tied to religion A, so we can't think about We can't that. talk about it because it's tied to religion. So, right. Now, look, and just a caveat, look, I think the, um, I'm not advocating for a theocracy here. I think the separation right. of church and state is a smart and wise thing. A lot of people try to make the separation of church and state, though, the separation of value and state or the separation right. of belief in state. And or that, God and state. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's a, that's a that's, fatal flaw. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Boy, we could, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I feel like, and, and this kind of goes, I feel, I feel like uh, there's a, there's a question here that I know a lot of our listeners are going to be wondering is uh, goose. Why are you having, guys running for political office on the podcast yeah you should right this is supposed to be a podcast for christian men to be better husbands fathers and leaders right um are you getting political and i think what you just said really ties in it's like listen there are important topics in our world today um abortion uh marriage um gender ideology host of others right that these are not political issues. These are moral issues, right? And if we allow culture to take moral issues, label them political, and then tell us we can't talk about political issues, you see what they've done. They've, they've tied our hands, and now we can't take moral stands because all oh, these topics are off limits. Why are they off limits? These are moral topics about what the Bible talks about, about objective right and wrong, objective truth. Um, and so it's pretty, part of, it's pretty clever, actually, how it's been done. You know, it's, it's very, very clever. You're right. And so part of what we're doing here by having these discussions with, with guys running for political office um, is to take things back, right? I'm taking the political label off of these and we're putting the moral label back on them. And that's why as Christian men, we need to be okay with talking about these issues. These are important issues. They're facing us in our culture. They're also facing our kids, right? And so if we shy away from these issues, if we don't know how to discuss these important moral topics with our kids and we're doing them a disservice and we're not leading our families and we're like, oh, I don't want to get into that. It's political. Well, then the the, the enemy knows your, your your playbook. All they have to do is label right. it political and now, and now you can't address it. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to say that as a little aside, that's part of what we're doing here is we're discussing important moral issues. And as Christian men, I believe we ought to be even more involved in every aspect of society, political and otherwise. We ought to be on school boards. We ought to be delegates. Every, everywhere we look, we should be getting more involved, not circling the wagons. Yeah. Standing, standing in the gap, like you said. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's well put. And I'm in, I'm in total agreement. And I think, um, again, that's, that's one of the reasons that I would, um, and this is not the only sort of perfect way to think about it, but again, I think the lens through which I see a lot of this stuff is about loving your neighbor, right? You can't opt out of loving your neighbor, right? Because all of these things, and again, politics is not the only, or even the primary way you do that, but it's also you, you can't abandon it, right? Yeah. Um, because this stuff has, like you said, it has real impact and it has real impact on your family, your kids. But even if it didn't, even if it didn't have a specific impact on you or your kids, I think you have an obligation to step, step out and stand in the gap for your neighbor as well. Yeah. But, but, but don't, be, don't be confused. It does impact right. you and your kids. Yeah, for sure. Uh, loving your neighbor is absolutely, you know, um, it's essential. It's, it's a foundation. Uh, I believe, you know, it's a commandment. strong, <laughs> strong men build strong families and strong families build a strong country. Right. And it is a commandment. So man, Mark, it's been awesome yeah. talking with you. 
This has been a fantastic conversation. I've really yeah. enjoyed it learning, especially all my ignorant questions at the beginning and learning about the, uh, the landscape here of state uh, politics. We wish you the very best. Um, we'd love to have you back anytime. Yeah, come back. And um, thank you all. I appreciate it and appreciate everything y'all are doing. Um, glad to know you're here local and yeah, it's great. So I'm going to, I'm going to extend to you an invitation here uh, to join us at a men's Alliance sometime. We would love to have you come out. Absolutely. Um, do a workout with us, have a devotion around the fire. Guys would, they're going to hear you now. Now they, they'd love to work out with you, flip a tractor tire with you. Let's save, do it. Save you from knocking on some doors. <laughs> Please <laughs> get it, save done, me. get it all done at once. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, this has been Mark early and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as uh, me and shadow have. Uh, get out of isolation. I want to just tell you that all too often we get involved in men's Alliance, right? We start coming. It's exciting. It's fun. We go every week. Life's good. And then something happens. Kid gets sick. You go on vacation. Uh, you, you injure your back and then you, you're, you're out for four or five weeks. This happens. Don't stay there. Yeah. Right. The hard part is going to be when you get better again, getting back into it. It's hard to get back. Dude, it just happened to me. I'd realized I hadn't been to men's Alliance in like four or five weeks. What? And I was like, yeah, I'm being totally <laughs> honest here. And I was like, and then I went back yeah. one time and I was like, oh man, you forget what you're missing. I'm back. How did I, yeah. how did and I, you forget what yeah. you're missing. Like it doesn't ever need to be that best friend awkward. We haven't talked in so long that now yeah. I can't call him because it would just be awkward. It's never like that at men's Alliance. That's a great point. So yeah. man, if you, if you've, had something happen in life, you've dropped off for a few weeks, no big deal. It happens to everybody. If it happened to Shadow, it could happen to you. So get That's back, right. and I look forward to seeing you guys around the fire. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.